Good morning. Uh, please open your Bibles to Jonah chapter 4. My name is Agnes. If you don't know me, I'm one of the staff here. Um, if you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles at the back. Please grab one. It's our gift to you. Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tashish. I knew that you are gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head, to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for this great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals. Thank you. And once again, good morning, everyone. It's such a joy to be here with you this morning. It's a joy as a SMBC principal to see a couple of graduates, James and RJ, serving in action and um, pursuing uh, gospel ministry with such passion. Um, and what a special joy for me to, to come on a day where we have these, these baptisms and to see the new life in Christ celebrated. So thanks so much for this opportunity. Well, I want to start by asking you this question. What do these three people have in common? I'll tell you about three people. Just see if you can see what they have in common. Lucas, first one. Lucas believes that having family is precious and that healthy families spend meaningful time together each day. And yet Lucas works really late every day and his kids are usually asleep when he gets home and he's growing distant from them and from his wife. Second one, Isla. Isla is concerned about the impact of human activities on the environment and believes that we all need to take steps to protect the environment. And yet, when she goes shopping for food and clothes, she buys what is cheapest, not what is most sustainable. And third one, Juan. Juan believes that living at peace with others is important and that we're all responsible to do what we can to reconcile conflicts. And yet, since her friend May offended her last week, she's avoiding May and letting the resentment grow. What do those three people have in common? So each one, in some way, is not living out their beliefs, not living out their convictions. They have these convictions, these beliefs, but there seems to be something that's stopping them from living it out. Now, this is something which 
all humans will have a problem with, whether you're Christian or not. All, all, all people will ha sometimes have this problem where we have a belief, we have a conviction, but for some reason, something stops us from living it out. But as Christians, we want to be particularly concerned about this, don't we? Our convictions uh, about God and about the world come from God himself and the Bible, and, and we care passionately uh, not just about having those convictions, but about living them out. So when it comes to our convictions, we need to be asking the question, is there something that might stop us from living out our convictions? And that's something which I want to do this morning. Uh, and I just want to take one con conviction of, of the many that we have from God's word, and that's to do with our conviction about the mission that God gives us. Our conviction about the mission that God gives us. And I want us to be asking, is there something that might stop us from carrying that out? I had a look at your website uh, the other day, and... Uh, I found this, which says what your mission is. To share the great love and good news about Jesus with both our immediate community and with the people in the world at large. Wow, amen. What a great conviction about the mission that God has given us. To share the good news both here and in the world. Wonderful. So that's your conviction and that's, that's my conviction. Uh, what I want us to do today is ask, is there anything that might stop us from living that out? Is there anything that might stop us from doing that, that thing which God has called us to do? You see, according to the book of Jonah, there is. There is something which might stop us from living out that conviction that we hold to. See, the book of Jonah was actually written to help God's people to understand what that thing is that might stop us and to help us to move beyond that, to help us uh, to avoid that problem. So if you have a Bible with you, please keep it open to the book of Jonah, or if, you're, uh, if you've got your device open, please have it open to Jonah. And let's just uh, have a little uh, introduction to the book. See, this book was written uh, in the first instance to the people of God at that time, about 700 years before Christ, and that is Israel. So it's written to Israel. And if we want to understand the book of Jonah, we really need to understand the story that came before that, uh, that way before the time of Jonah, Israel was given a mission, not unlike the one that we just saw. Way back in the first book of the Bible in Genesis 12, God had revealed his plan and given his mission to Abraham, who became the father of this nation, Israel, when he said, I will bless you and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That was the beginning of Israel's mission. They were going to be blessed and, and, and through them, all the world would be blessed. That was the mission that he gave them. Blessed to be a blessing, saved in order that they might save others. Uh, many years later, a prophet Isaiah put it this way, that they were to be a light for the nations. A light for the nations. So that was God's plan. That was God's mission for God's people, Israel, at the time. Now, fast forward many years from the time of Abraham through to the time of Jonah, and there's a problem. The problem is God's people, Israel, are not carrying out that mission. They're not living out that calling. They're not being a blessing. They're not being a light to the nations. The nations are still in darkness, centuries after Abraham. And so into that situation, into that problem, is written the book of Jonah. And the book of Jonah is written to highlight this situation, to highlight this problem, uh, to highlight something which is stopping God's people from carrying out his mission. What is it? 
What is it that's stopping them from carrying out their mission? Well, we find in the book of Jonah that it is a heart problem, a heart condition. It's a problem which was stopping Israel then from doing mission, and it's a problem which could stop us now from doing mission. Now, you can see on this slide here that uh, reading the book of Jonah, I think, is a bit like a trip to the doctor. When we go to the doctor, three things generally happen, right? Or we hope three things will happen. First, we tell the doctor our symptoms, and then the doctor tells us a diagnosis, and then finally, the doctor, hopefully, the doctor gives us a treatment plan. And as you read the book of Jonah, we see these three things uh, coming to the surface. First, we see the symptoms of this heart problem that Israel had that was stopping them from doing their mission. Then we get the diagnosis, and then finally, we get the treatment. So we're going to step through those one by one now, and we're going to start with the symptoms. I'm going to skate through the first three chapters of Jonah, uh, and then we're going to slow down and see what's going on in chapter 4, which is the real climax of the book. Okay, start with the symptoms. What were the symptoms? Now, many of you may know the, the, the story of Jonah well, and I think you might have done it in your church uh, quite recently as well. So I'll just skate through this. Chapter 1, you recall the start of the book, Jonah is commanded to go and preach to the Ninevites. Now, Nineveh was not part of Israel, not part of God's people. So this is a spectacular opportunity for Jonah to carry out the mission that his people have, which is to take the good news, to take the message of God to the nations. But what does Jonah do? Remember what he does? He runs away. He runs in the opposite direction. So right at the start, Jonah is anti-mission, right? Why? Why is he anti-mission? Well, it doesn't actually tell us in chapter one. It sort of leaves us guessing. Uh, but it does say that the Ninevites are wicked. In fact, the Ninevites at the time were famous for being cruel and for being violent. They were kind of the, the terrorists, the, the ISIS of Jonah's day. So it's a fair guess as you're reading through Jonah one and you see that Jonah runs away. It's a fair guess that he's scared. He's afraid. That the thing that's making him so anti-mission is fear. That would be a fair guess, but it's actually wrong. And as we read on the book, we find out there's something more serious going on. There's this heart problem going on. That's the diagnosis. We'll get to that in a moment, but let's just still see these symptoms. The symptoms we've seen so far, one of God's people called to do mission runs in the opposite direction. Let's keep going with the story. I'm sure you know the story. When Jonah flees, he finds out that you can't flee from God. You can't run away from the all-powerful God. God sends this storm on the boat that he's on. Jonah ends up in the sea. And then God graciously rescues Jonah by sending a fish, uh, a great fish that swallows him. Next, Jonah, Jonah prays and, and he's sort of rescued, delivered onto dry land. He's vomited onto dry land. And then God commands him for a second time to go and do that mission. Go and preach to the Ninevites. And this time, the second time, the reluctant missionary Jonah says, okay, and off he goes. He goes and he preaches the message that God gives him. Now, now we're up to about chapter 3 in the, in the story. If you know the story well, uh, you'll, you'll know what comes next. How does he go? What's his success rate as a missionary? <laughs> it's incredible, isn't it? The whole city repents and, and turns away from their sin. When we were uh, cross-cultural missionaries in, a, in Southeast Asia, we were living in a city of about 8 million people. Oh my goodness, how, how would I have loved to be able to report to our sending churches, all 8 million people have repented from their sin. 
would have been incredible. This is, on, on the face of it, one of the most incredible missionary moments in the history of God and his history with the world. Have a look at, uh, if you've got your Bibles open, chapter 3, verse 9, just to see what happens. It says that the Ninevites are acknowledging their sin. They throw themselves at God's feet. And verse 9, this is what they say. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. And God does relent. The gracious God does relent. Uh, verse 10. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Amazing. Now, what does the missionary Jonah think about all of this? This is where we get up to the reading that we had before. Verse 1, chapter 4. What does Jonah think? It says, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong and he became very angry. So here's another symptom of Jonah's heart problem. God forgives the Ninevites and Jonah gets angry. So now we've seen the symptoms of Jonah's heart problem. First of all, he ran away when he was told to do mission. Secondly, when, 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 when mission happened and God forgave people, he got angry. That's the symptom. Now it's time for the diagnosis. Diagnosis of Jonah's heart's problem. Why does Jonah flee? Why does Jonah get so angry? Verse 2, we get the diagnosis. If you've got your Bibles open, have a look. Chapter 4, verse 2, I'll read that out. Jonah prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. What is it that made, has made Jonah so angry that he wants to die? What is it? It's God's grace to Jonah's enemy, the Ninevites. So it's here in verse 2 that we discover what the whole book of Jonah has been about. We discover the nature of the problem that was stopping Jonah from carrying out the mission God gave him. And it's the same problem which could stop us from carrying out the mission God has given us. Back in chapter 1 when Jonah fled, we thought that maybe he fled because he was afraid. He was afraid he'd fail as a missionary. Here we discover the reason Jonah fled was because he was afraid he'd succeed as a missionary. Jonah knew God's heart. Jonah's theology was spot on. His convictions, his beliefs were spot on. It says there in verse 2, he knew God was gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, relents from sending calamity. He knew all that. He knew what God was like. And he didn't want God to be those things to his enemies, to the Ninevites. And he knew that if he preached the Ninevites, there was a chance they would repent. And then there was a chance that God would be those gracious things to his enemies. And Jonah didn't want that. He didn't flee because he thought he'd be a failure as a missionary. He fled because he thought he might be a success as a missionary. It says in verse 3, he'd rather die than see his enemies receive God's forgiveness. So the, here's the diagnosis. Do you see the diagnosis, the problem? Jonah's heart condition, it's a heart which lacks love for the lost. I used to teach at a Bible college in Southeast Asia. And one of the units I taught, or a few of the units I taught, were Old Testament units. 
And I remember when I was teaching the book of Jonah one day uh, in class, and we were working our way through the book of Jonah, and I was trying to explain what it was like in chapter 1 for Jonah to be sent to the Ninevites to preach. And I said, it's a bit like if we today were being sent to Arche. If you don't know much about Arche, it's a province in Indonesia which is famous for being particularly violent and anti-Christian. Bombs go off in churches, missionaries are often threatened and attacked. So I said, uh, we, we read through Jonah 1 and I said, you know, Ninevites for them, a bit like Arche, maybe for us. Why do you think Jonah's fleeing here? And everyone said, yeah, obviously he's afraid. We would be too if we were told to do that. But then we kept working our way through Jonah and we got to chapter 4 and we realized it wasn't so much that he, that he feared the Ninevites as he just didn't want the Ninevites to be saved. And then I asked the class, what about us? What might stop us from doing something like that, from going to a place like Arche to tell the gospel there? Is it just fear that's stopping us, that we're afraid of them, or is it that deep down we don't really want people like that to be saved? And there was a long silence in the class, and eventually one of the students said, it's probably both. And I want to ask you the same question. What is it that might stop you from sharing the good news? From telling a neighbor, from inviting a friend to church, inviting a colleague to carols in a few weeks' time, from going to a part of the world where, which is unreached and has no gospel witness? What is it that might stop you? Is it just fear? Because often there is fear there. Is it just that? Or is it also that deep down... You don't particularly want the lost to be saved. Deep down, you don't really think they deserve it. Deep down, you don't really care if they're saved or not. And that is a really uncomfortable question, isn't it? But that's the question that the book of Jonah asks of each one of us. The question really is, is do we have the same heart condition as Jonah, a heart which lacks love for the lost. So we're doing our trip to the doctor as we read Jonah. We've had symptoms, Jonah fleeing from his call to mission, getting angry when God forgives. We've had diagnosis. This problem of Jonah's heart is that he lacks love for the lost. And now it's time for treatment. How is this heart condition treated? How is it cured? Well, the good news is, is that's where the book of Jonah ends. Verses 4 to 11 of chapter 4 is God's treatment plan for this heart condition. Have a look with me, verse 4. It says, is it right for you to be angry? That's God's question for Jonah. Is it right, Jonah, for you to be angry that I forgave them? The implied answer is, no, it's not right. It's a rhetorical question, right? But why is that? Let's think about that. Why shouldn't Jonah be angry? After all, the Ninevites were a wicked people. The Ninevites had done atrocities against Israel. They used to get the heads of the soldiers they'd killed and stick them on spikes in the front of their cities. The Israelites, understandably, had a lot of ill-feeling hatred towards these people. Well, in the next few verses, God helps to explain why. 
verse 5, have a look. Verse 5, it says, Jonah had gone out and sat at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter. He sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. So it seems that Jonah is still hoping that God will change his mind and, and judge the city and destroy the city. So he's sitting on this hill and just, just waiting. But unfortunately for him, as he's sitting and waiting, there's no shade on that hillside and he's getting really hot. Verse 6, it says, Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease the discomfort. So Jonah had this problem. He was too hot. And God showed Jonah grace. In his grace, God gave something to Jonah this plant which gave him shade. Now this is the same God who's been showing grace throughout the book. In his grace, God sent a fish to rescue Jonah when he was about to drown. In his grace, God relented from destroying the evil Ninevites when they, relent, when they repented. And now in his grace, God is sending this plant to give shade to ease Jonah's discomfort. So how does Jonah feel about God's grace? It says in verse 6, Jonah was very happy about the plant. But this is just the first part of God's lesson, God's treatment plan uh, for Jonah's heart condition. So we keep reading in verse 7. That it says, At dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. So now, this same God who provided the plant also provides a worm which kills the plant. And he also sends a very hot day. And what does all that mean for Jonah? It means sunstroke. He's getting hot. And how does Jonah feel about that? Verse 8, it says, Jonah wanted to die. And he said, it would be better for me to die than to live. And that's twice in this chapter Jonah has said he wants to die. Now, often when something is repeated in Old Testament stories... What we're supposed to do is notice that and compare the two, compare that repeated phrase. So let's do that here. Jonah said twice now he wants to die. In verse 3, he said he was so angry he wanted to die because of what? Because God had shown grace. And now in verse 8, he said he's so angry he wants to die again, this time because of what? This time because God has withdrawn grace. Do you see the problem here? problem is that Jonah is inconsistent in his attitude to God's grace. And that's what God's next question is highlighting. Verse 9, it says, But God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Now this is another repeated phrase we get in this chapter. God asks the same question back in verse 3. Back in verse 3, the question was, Is it right for you to be angry about me showing grace to the Ninevites? And now he's asking, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant, about my withdrawal of grace to you? Once again, what, 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 what's being highlighted here is Jonah's problem. It's his heart problem. His heart attitude towards God's grace. It's contradictory. It's Inconsistent. Is Jonah for God's grace or is Jonah against God's grace? Well, when it's directed at him, he's for it, right? Whether it's a fish that saves him from the sea or whether it's a plant which saves him from sunstroke, he's for God's grace. But when grace is given to others, to the Ninevites, he's against it. Jonah's heart is inconsistent to God's grace. 
It's the same with Jonah's heart towards God's judgment. Is Jonah for judgment or against judgment? Well, when it's directed at him, he's firmly against it. When God takes away that shade, he's so upset he wants to die. But when the judgment of God is directed towards Jonah's enemies, the Ninevites, he's 100% for it. He's sitting on the side of a mountain just waiting, hoping that God will judge them. And here is the, the problem. The problem with Jonah's heart, that he wants grace for himself, but he wants judgment for others. And in God's words in this chapter, that is not right. Jonah can't be a person, we can't be people who want God's grace for us, but refuse to pass it on to others. We can't be like that. It's not right. But that's exactly what Jonah was like. And that's exactly what the Israel of Jonah's day was like, which is why this book was written to highlight this problem. And the challenging question for us is, is that what our hearts are like too, that we rejoice in the grace and salvation that we have from God, but don't have hearts that care about whether that salvation is passed on to others. Now I have to say, to be honest with you, that by myself, in my own sinful nature, my heart is no different from Jonah's. And I suspect that's true for all of us. Without a work of God in our hearts, we will all have a heart like Jonah's. But the good news, the good news of the book of Jonah, the good news of the Bible is that our hearts don't need to stay like that. What God is doing in these final verses of the book of Jonah is, is this treatment plan, is this plan for God to change our hearts. And the way he does that is he shows us his heart. This is where the book of Jonah ends. It ends with God showing us his heart as a contrast to Jonah's heart. And the good news is that with the Spirit of God working in our hearts, we can learn to have a heart like God's too, a heart like God's for the lost. Let's look at these last two verses, this climax of the book, which show us what God's heart is. Have a look at verses 10 and 11. It says, But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and it died overnight. Should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? See, there's God's heart. God's heart is concern for the lost. Love for the lost. When Jonah sees the lost, the lost Ninevites, Jonah sees a people who are so evil they deserve to be punished. When God sees the lost, yes, he sees that evil. He says they can't tell their right hand from their left. He sees that. But what he wants is for them to have the opportunity to repent and be saved, forgiven. And, and once again, the, the writer highlights this difference, this problem by using the same word, the word concern, and uses it in regard to Jonah and regard to God. Just notice these two different concerns with re repeating of the word concern. Verse 10, Jonah is concerned about what? He's concerned about the plant, which gives him shade. He's concerned about his own needs. Verse 11, God is concerned about the lost who are facing judgment. Should I not have concern for this great city, he says. And these two concerns lead to two very different ways of responding to the lost. Jonah does, just wants judgment for them. God wants action, wants mission that leads to their salvation. 
And that is God's heart, concern for the lost, love for the lost. And that is God's treatment plan for us, for Jonah, for us. He's showing us his heart for the lost and he's inviting us to share it, to share his heart for the lost. And that is where the book of Jonah ends. I don't know about you, but does that feel a bit frustrating? Don't you have a little question like, what happens next? Does Jonah respond to this lesson from God? Does Jonah respond and have his heart changed by the example of God's heart? The book finishes then. <laughs> did, the, did the author like run out of paper and, and not finish the story? I don't think so. I think that the author deliberately left the book hanging there because the book is kind of asking us a question. It's a, it's a storytelling technique. As it finishes off, we kind of wonder where did Jonah go? And the question is, well, where will we go with that? How will we respond to that lesson? Will we allow our hearts to be changed that we might have God's heart of love for the lost? I just want to encourage you by saying, uh, in, the, in the role I've had over, over years now teaching at different Bible colleges around uh, Southeast Asia and more recently Australia, I've had lots of opportunities to see times where God is doing that work in people's heart. Uh, God is at work doing that. Uh, just one story from Southeast Asia, a, a young man by the name of Anto. When he turned up at Bible college, his heart was full of hate. Hate for different members of his extended family where, where, where he was in, embroiled in this family conflict and they were using curses from the witch doctor and all sorts of things to fight, fight each other. And then hate for the neighboring people group who were a different religion. He reminded me a lot of, 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 of the story of Jonah. But while he was at college, he, he, he went deep into the Bible and he saw God's grace and he, and he, he, he saw God's grace in Jesus and his heart started to change. Partway through college, he went back home to where he'd come from and offered forgiveness to the family members he was at war with. And then when he finished college, he went and moved to, that, to one of those sort of neighboring people groups from another religion that he had always hated, hoping to bring them the good news of the gospel. And he does that to this day. Just one story of God changing people's heart as he reveals his heart to us. How about us? How is our heart towards the lost? At a time where there are great harvest needs, gospel needs, around Sydney, around the world, what is our heart towards the lost? I just want to finish with one final thing, and that is, uh, this has been like a trip to the doctor, right? It's, it's, it's like a checkup, a heart checkup, a spiritual heart checkup. Uh, and I want to encourage us this week as we reflect on the book of Jonah to reflect on what we've seen and to ask questions of our heart what is our heart towards the loss and if you do that uh, you may find traces of Jonah's heart in yours and if that's the case I want to encourage you by saying don't be too surprised or shocked we're all uh, saved sinners on a, on a journey of sanctification don't be too surprised if you find traces of a Jonah type heart in yours but at the same time I want to encourage you don't just accept that either God is calling us to something so much better and with the Spirit of God working in our heart, we can more and more have hearts like God's, hearts for the lost. And so I'm going to leave you with one very simple homework task coming out of this. You get a Bible college lecture, you end up with homework, right? So here's a very simple homework task for the week. Spend time meditating 
on God's heart for the lost. That's how God is, is bringing about change through the book of Jonah. He's revealing his heart. So let's spend time meditating on that heart for the lost. In the book of Jonah, we see it. Throughout the Bible, we see it. And we see it most clearly in the sending of his son, where God sent his son for lost us to save us. Jesus sent to die for us. Spend time meditating on God's heart for the lost. And as we do that, God, by his spirit, will be at work to change our hearts more and more to make them like his, that we might be passionate about participating in that mission, that mission that we started with. So let's pray now. Dear loving Father God, we thank you for your heart of compassion and grace towards us. You've called us to share the good news about you with others, and we see that having a heart like Jonah's will stop us from doing that. And so we pray now that you will give us your heart for the lost, that more and more we can grow and change, more and more to have a heart like yours, a heart like the heart of Jesus. We pray that the lostness of the lost will be our concern, just as it is your concern. We pray that as we meditate on your grace to us, your heart for the lost, that our hearts will soften more and more and that we'll want the same thing for those around us, nearby and around the world. Please give us a heart that longs for all people to have a chance to hear the good news, to repent and believe. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.